Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome, guys and gals, to The Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and personalities to teach you how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a curriculum. We've created one of the premier lifestyle shows anywhere that brings you tools previously only available to elite high performers. We may not have all the answers, but we do have all the questions. Make sure to stay up to date with The Art of Charm and get some great content that we don't or can't share on the show by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you like what you hear on the show, come hang out with us on the blog where we get really in-depth on some of these topics, and you can further engage with the AOC team there as well. Or if you're new to the show and you want to find out more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, you can go to the website and we'll email you our fundamentals toolkit that covers topics like body language, nonverbal communication, dating, attraction, persuasion, business networking and negotiation, relationship management, public speaking, and a whole lot more. And we've got our live programs running every single week here in Los Angeles, California. In fact, we've got guys from all over the world, which shows that no matter where you are, you can make it here if you wanna learn and grow. We're sold out five or six months in advance, generally six, in fact. So if you're thinking about it a little bit, get in touch now and plan ahead. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. Looking forward to meeting you here at AOC. Today we're talking with Aaron Walker. We're gonna talk about, of course, the old cliche, why money isn't the most important thing, but we'll get into some details on that. Meaning, purpose, and significant in life and delayed gratification of your own needs and how impacting other people actually pays more dividends than focusing internally and how small contributions can give people hope and your competitors can be your strongest allies when you apply it to business, building relationships intentionally and a whole lot more. So enjoy this one with Aaron Walker. Tell us what you do in one sentence. I uh, help men live on purpose. Excellent. And do you mostly or only coach men? I do. Why is that? People give me flack for that as well. I'd love to hear your answer to that. You know, I've been dealing with men now over 30 years in accountability groups and mastermind groups. And so it's just kind of my niche market. You know, nothing against ladies at all. It's just that I've found that I'm more effective teaching and coaching men. And is that because you started off coaching men? Or For me, I know it's because I really, I'm only really comfortable speaking from experience on a lot of subjects, not every subject. I've been known to talk out the wrong end plenty of times, but on subjects that are really close to the heart, I feel like I can only 
be qualified if I've done it, and I haven't done or dealt with most of the things when it comes to a lot of topics that women have had to deal with. So I yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm 54 years old. I've got a lot of experience at being a man, and I've done a lot of things that men do. I've done some things wrong that men shouldn't do, and uh, I've done a lot of things that I feel like are right that I can teach men. So no, no personal reasons other than the fact that I've got a lot of experience at it. Yeah, okay, excellent. And of course, a lot of what we probably talk about today, I assume is gonna have a lot of impact for women who apply it as well, and or just give them a lot of insight into their the men in their life and how we're thinking and et cetera, how we operate, so. Absolutely, you know, it's gender neutral. You know, we all can use these principles in our life. Absolutely. How did you start coaching? Because I know, as you know, a lot of the people that start coaching nowadays woke up on their mom's couch in the basement and said, I should be a coach of some kind. But you came kind of before that whole era of kind of fake it till you make it. You had some early success. Yeah, so I started years ago, you know, when I was 18 years old, I opened my first store. I didn't have anything. Literally, I didn't have anything. We come from very humble beginnings. And I don't need to go down that path. The point is we were broke. You know, as a child, my dad never made over $15,000 a year in his life. So I know all about being broke. So I met a couple of guys when I was 18. I'd been working at the store for about five years. When I turned 18, I met a couple of guys with a lot of money. Approached them and said, hey, why don't we uh, open our own store? So we did. It was hugely successful. You know, we paid off a 10-year loan in about 36 months. I saved the money at 21, bought my second store, and I repeated that four times up until I turned 27 years old. There was a Fortune 500 company in Fort Worth trying to expand into the Nashville, Tennessee market, and they approached me because we had four really good stores, and they said, we want to buy your stores, and we negotiated for several months, and finally they rung the bell, you know, and so I said, well, I got to do it, so I sold out, went back and bought the store I started with when I was 18, and we built that very successful over the next 10 years. And then I had an automobile accident. We'll talk about that in a little while if you'd like. Sure. It really radically changed my life. Then I went in the construction industry and built a very successful construction company over the next eight years. And then at 50, I retired. A couple of my buddies that I had been in mastermind groups with for two decades, uh, some of them you may know, some of them you may not, Dave Ramsey, it was his group, and we met in Dave's office. And Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Ken Abraham's got over 100 books in print. He's a 10 times New York Times number one best-selling author. Guys like that that just had it going on, you know, and we got yeah. to grow our businesses together. And uh, so I was around these guys. And uh, Dave Ramsey told me and Dan Miller told me when I retired, they said, man, you've got too much to offer to sit on the couch and watch reruns of Andy Griffith, and you need to get out there and coach. And <laughs> I started doing that, and quite honestly, Jordan, it's uh, been hugely successful as well. That's funny. You mentioned Andy Griffith, because when I was eight, I remember seeing that show in reruns in black and white on the TV and going, whoever watched this, what is this? <laughs> and uh, that was the one with Barney Fife, right? Yeah. And Mayberry PD, and then, because my mom references that a lot, and I remember seeing him as Mr. Furley on Three's Company, and that was kind of like the last... 
thing from that guy, but he was hilarious. And uh, I remember, it was funny. I remember asking my mom why they filmed it all in black and white, and she had to kind of explain, you know, because <laughs> there was no color at that time, right? Gordon. And I was like, nice. so nothing had color. She's like, no, just TV didn't have color. The whole world was actually <laughs> in color. And I was like, so then why didn't they film it in color? Like it just didn't click. Um, <laughs> one question I do have though is, and I used an inflation calculator, which could be way off, but you said your dad never made over, was it $15,000 a year? Yeah, right. So in 1960, that was $120,000. Yeah, I'm saying in my dad's entire life, he made much less than that in Uh, 1960s. Uh, but I'm, he paid $6,500 for our house. Oh, wow. That's the house we lived in. I'm saying my dad died in 06. And so I'm saying my dad never made over $15,000 a year in oh, his career. Okay. Gotcha. He made much less in the sixties. I can promise you. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. I was just curious cause I know somebody else is going to do that calculation and go, wait a minute, I'm 70 years old and I made less than that. And it was a lot of money or whatever, some banker. Yeah, Jordan, I can expound on that a little further. I remember my mom putting canned goods in our pantry and nailing a board over them during the summer. So in the winter, we would have something to eat. And a lot of people tell me, yeah, Aaron, you're doing okay now. And I said, but I didn't always do okay. I remember a time, you know, when it was tough, when I watched my dad in the winter sweep snow off of people's roofs and re-roof the house in the winter because we had to have something to eat. So that was a big motivator for me. I knew what I didn't want to do, right? I didn't know maybe what I wanted to do, but I knew what I didn't want to do at an early age. And that was work like my dad had to. I would assume seeing that you grew up with a bulletproof work ethic. Yeah, no question. You know, my mom has a little saying, can't, couldn't do it and could did it all. And I live my life by that mantra today. She would not allow us to say can't. She'd say, you're going to try. You may not be able to do it, but you're going to try. And as a result of that, it gave me a lot of self-confidence because I would try things and it would work. And so now I think somebody says, can you do this? I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Let me figure it out. It'll take me a little time. Not to be arrogant, but it's just confidence because when you live a life, when your parents you know, don't allow you to say can't and you got to try it, then you build up some self-esteem. So yeah, I have a bulletproof. I've not been told that, but bulletproof is a good word, work ethic. I, I say bulletproof because at the point at which you're watching your dad freezing his, I don't know, where'd you grow up? Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, so winter down there, I don't know. I, if he's shoveling it snow, it's cold. cold. <laughs> yeah, if, if he's shoveling snow off people's roofs, it's 32 degrees or below, right? We can do that. My science education reaches that far. So that's cold enough to not want to be standing on an icy roof, shoveling snow on an old house so that the roof doesn't collapse. I mean, who know? did he ever get injured doing that? That sounds incredibly dangerous. Uh, no, you know, I don't know. I was a kid then. I don't know. I didn't pay that much attention. I just know I didn't want to work that hard. Right. I saw him working terribly hard. I didn't want to work that hard. At that point, you see people doing that kind of work and you think, okay, I know I don't want to do that. So when you see a problem like, oh man, you know, this is going to take weeks of heads down hard work. You're thinking, yeah, but we're not outside on a roof with a snow shovel, sweating and freezing at the same time. And we're getting paid more, hopefully. So this is a cakewalk. A lot of the difficulty that you run into in regular sort of brick and mortar business and sales and things like that really pales in comparison to walking down the street and seeing somebody shoveling uh, a ditch in the rain, for example, right? right? You sold your store when you were young. I mean, you're 27 years old, which is incredibly young. 
quickly, you know, growing up with nothing. And then in nine years after, you know, I start my first store at 18, you know, I went to school really early, though. I started at 13 working at this shop in Madison. And then at 15, decided I was going to do this as a career, went to summer school and night school for the next 18 months, getting my high school credits at the end of the 10th grade. I had enough high school credits to graduate. I didn't have to go my junior and senior year because I knew where there was a will, there was a way. And it's like, hey, I just got to figure it out. And I've carried that mentality with me through business. Like you can do it. If you want to do it, you can figure out a way. And so that's the reason I started at 18. And I just wanted better for myself. So at 27, I sell out and I've got some money. And Robin and I, we have two small daughters. We got married two weeks out of high school, by the way. Oh, my gosh. And so we go to Naples, Florida. You know, we got this money. I don't have to work anymore. And we're going to, you know, take it easy. I lasted three weeks. I was going (laughs) to spend the summer in Naples, Florida. And we came back and I became extremely bored, Jordan. I mean, let me tell you how bored I got. In the next 18 months, I was getting in the bed in the middle of the day. I gained 50 pounds in 18 months. Wow, that's a lot of weight. How tall are you? Well, I'm 6'4". I'm a big guy, but I still didn't need to gain 50 pounds. My wife woke me up one day and she said, Aaron, listen, I don't know what's going on with you. This is so unlike you. You've got to do something. You've got to get a job. You've got to start another business. I don't even care what you do, but you have no purpose. You have no meaning in your life. There's nothing. Here you are 28 and a half years old. And you got nothing. And so I went back, you know, and bought the store. I told you that I worked for when I was a child and mm-hmm. you know, we took it to the next level. So that's kind of what I discovered. It's like it was good. It was success, but uh, it didn't have any purpose. It didn't have any meaning for anybody outside of myself. To fast forward a little bit, Jordan, in 2001, I was headed to the office of this you know, second business that I owned pedestrian was crossing the street and uh, he just didn't see me and I ran into him. I mean, it wasn't my fault. I just ran into him and he didn't make it. He lived three days in Uh the Vanderbilt trauma unit. And I'm going to tell you, man, if you don't think something won't rock your world, just hear me. I mean, it rocked my world. And uh, so I took off. I went back to my partner and I said, listen, man, I've I've chased money all I can chase it. We've been successful. I'm going to take a break. And I did. Jordan, I took off the next five years. I took off 60 months, had to regroup, rethink. Robin and I traveled extensively. We built another house. We changed the landscape of where we were at and had to rethink things. And so then she said to me again, you know, for the second time, you got to do something. It's time. So I did. And what I discovered during that 60 months is that everything had been about me up until that point. All the success, the money, the stores, the houses, the cars, all that stuff was really nice, but it was only about our family. And I realized that I had no significance. Dave Ramsey took me to Amelia Island on vacation with our wives, and we heard a speaker there named Bob Buford. He wrote a book called Halftime, and it really, really spoke to me. It really said, are you living a life of success and significance? And I thought, man, I've had success, but I have no significance. And I had to really think through that and what it was for me. And so now I've gone on a quest since I won to teach people that you don't have to pick either or. It can be both. You can have great success. And I'm all about making money. I hate for people to say that has money. Money doesn't mean anything. Well, I want to say you're a liar. It does mean something. It is important. But it's not our primary aim. It's not our God. It's not our focus. But what is important is to provide for your family, have the things you want, but then look outward 
and have significance in your life. And if you want to break down what success looks like and significance, we can. Yeah. But I, I teach guys every day to live that way. I definitely want to do that in, in a second. I, I do have a question in with regards to your wife. It sounds like she is very comfortable calling you out uh, when you're not living into your purpose. Are you kidding? I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. It'll <laughs> just give her more confidence. My wife will call me out in a minute. Hey, listen, we've been together since we were 15. Wow. I taught her how to drive. Okay. So we go a long way back two weeks out of high school. You know, we got engaged when she was a junior in high school. She graduates two weeks later, we get married. That's incredible. Cause now if you do that, your parents are like, what are you talking about? I wouldn't let my daughter have done that in a million years, you know, let some other guy teach her to drive and then start getting engaged in junior high school. And all. You know, I've got two daughters now, 32 and 29, and I have four grandchildren. And so life is really, really good. And I look back now and I think, golly, what was my mom thinking when she allowed <laughs> me to do that? But it's worked out good. You know, we just celebrated last week, 35 years. Congratulations. So it's worked, thanks. Worked out good. That's amazing. Most people say that they're going to be more liberal with their kids than their parents were. And you're kind of like, no, that was ridiculous. Uh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> That's funny. Did you grow up in like a country area? Because I kind of picture that, but it could just be the accent. Yeah, it's a suburb of Nashville. It's called Madison. Okay. It's uh, 11 miles north of Nashville. Just a little, you know, community. You know, we just lived in a subdivision. Simple life, very easy. When your dad makes fifteen thousand dollars a year, you not you don't have a farm. You know, you're, <laughs> you're in a subdivision, a small one. So yeah. we lived in a house where I grew up, George. I'm I'm really serious. I mean, we had eight hundred square feet. I'm trying to. That's like a New York apartment. Four children, four children, two adults. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I had a sister. You think we ever got in the bathroom? It wasn't a chance, man. We no. weren't getting in the bathroom. You must have spent a lot of time outside. Yeah, no, no, we had trees. So yeah. And now a quick message from our newest sponsor. Remember, supporting our sponsors is the best way to support the show. That's right. AJ, did you know socks, tees, and underwear are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters? I had absolutely no idea. Bombas knows, and they're doing something about it, making ridiculously comfortable versions of all three and donating one for every item sold. With all the clothing brands out there, it's nice to find some basics that don't just feel good, but do good too. That is completely amazing, and that's why we're so excited to be working with our newest sponsor, Bombas. To date, Bombas, one purchase equals one donated commitment, has helped customers donate over 100 million essential clothing items to people facing homelessness. That's a lot of good done by people just buying the Bombas they wear every day. Visit bombas.com slash charm and use code charm for 20% off your first purchase. And once you try Bombas, you'll know why so many people have purchased and donated so many. The comfort geniuses at Bombas work tirelessly to make your everyday things your favorite things. Whether it's an arch-supporting sock that feels like it was sculpted to your foot, a buttery soft tee with no itchy tag, or underwear that feels like nothing while supporting everything. The best part, AJ, Bombas has a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you got the wrong size, your dog chews up your socks, or a pair vanishes in the washing machine, and you know they will, it's easy to get a free return, exchange, or replacement. There's nothing worse than when Puppers gets a hold of my favorite Bombas athletic socks. They're precision engineered for being active with sweat wicking power, impact cushioning, blister defense, and no annoying toe seams that get between you and your goals. 
I try to limit my essential purchases to one time a year. And I was so pumped to know that Bombas has my underwear, socks, and tees needs completely covered. I have been loving the soft underwear and tees here in Medellin. Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash charm and use code charm for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash charm and use code charm at checkout. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze your online marketing campaigns. And sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Now back to Aaron Walker. So how did you come back after five years off? Because there are a lot of people who may be listening now who either sold their business and are coming back, more who are maybe unemployed for a while, or they're just, they were in the military for a while. I have no personal experience, but it seems like the equivalent of just being removed from basic civilization for a really long time, Peace Corps, travel. How do you get back into the swing after five years of not being in the the mix? Well, for me, it wasn't that difficult because I'm a creator developer, right? And so I've got to have something going on at all times. Even in that process, we were traveling or we were building a house. So I had projects going on. It wasn't like I was just, you know, doing nothing. But for me, it was like there's more to life than just making some money. And as I've already said, I don't want to disqualify people that are out there making money. I love to make money. I'm making money now. I want to continue to make money. But for me, the greater good was encouraging others, having purpose, having meaning. And it's the real deal. You can only fish so much. You can only hunt so much. You can only play so much golf. And everybody says, yeah, give me a chance. Well, you know, go take your chance and take your opportunity and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, I don't care who you are. If you don't have purpose and a reason to get up every day, there is no meaning. And so that's where it came to me that I've got to have significance. You know, I got to look outside of what I'm doing personally. I've got to, what about meet the needs of others, right? What about learn to fully engage with people and listen to them intently? Stop waiting your turn to talk, you know, really get into their lives, helping them when they can't repay you and then being available to them when it's not convenient to you. These are the things that I wanted to do. 
I wanted to be able to provide them above and beyond the minimal requirements. I wanted to give because I wanted to, not because I had to or should. So those are the things that keep you going. You know, you, you want to have other people in mind. You want to prioritize your own personal goals with others in mind. You want to delay your own personal gratification for the greater advancement of others. See, I had it backwards. I was all about me. I can buy another house. I had a house in the mountains. Then we bought one on the beach. And it was all about me. And it's like other people don't care about those things. And I wasn't impacting other people's lives. All the success and the money and the tangible possessions that I own only affected Robin and I. It had no meaning and purpose for others. And you say, oh, yeah, that sounds, well, I'm just saying when you start focusing outward and you reach and touch other people, now you've made a difference in somebody's life that will change generations to come possibly. To me, that's just a lot more significant, a lot more purposeful, and a lot more meaningful to live your life that way. I agree with that. However, where I'm thinking a lot of people listening might be going, yeah, sure, Aaron, that's great make millions of dollars and never have to worry about money again, and then I'll have the luxury of looking for significance. I would guess that you're gonna say, no, 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 you're looking at this backwards too, look for significance first. Well, here's the thing, no, it's not fur. It's not either or, that's what I'm saying, it's both. There's nothing wrong with being successful and making millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands or whatever you make. People say, yeah, if I had your money, I would be significant also. And I want to say that's not true. Money doesn't change your heart. It just magnifies what's already there. Ah. And so I would just encourage people to think on the level you're at, percentage-wise, you could be equally significant. That's excellent. And what gave you the value for that in the, in the first place? Was it something you stumbled upon because you felt like you had no purpose? Or was this something that you always kind of knew all along and just had been ignoring? Well, here's the deal is I would do deals and a friend of mine that's a counselor, you know, I'd go to him for years, even when things were good or bad, it didn't matter. I'd go and get advice, you know, because I believe in asking a lot of questions. And he said, have you ever noticed that you do something major and significant every 36 months? I'd never thought about it. He said, you buy a business, you sell a piece of property, you do this, you do that, you sell out, you retire, you start another business. And he said, you're searching. You know, you're out there wanting some kind of gratification. There's something that's missing. There's a sense of contentment. And I started thinking about that. And I said, well, I want to learn to be content in whatever situation I'm in, but I don't ever want to be complacent. And there's a big difference. You can be content in this present situation you're in, whatever that is. But it doesn't mean that you stop trying to move the needle and go forward. I don't ever want to be complacent. I want to take view from the top that I'm doing right now. I mean, we're already international and national. I mean, we're already taking it there just in a short period of time. And I'm not going to be happy till I'm in all the countries. You know, I want to, I mean, that's just the way I think. But what I discovered was, is I changed the focus from it being all about me to being about me and a portion about others. And that's where I think we miss it. I think we just are so self-absorbed. We're just so self-centered and self-focused that we don't look outward. Jordan, Several years ago, Robin and I, when I didn't have money, I mean, we had a little bit, but we didn't have much. We went to a high school and we gave a scholarship every year to somebody, a small scholarship to help them start college. And we called it the Aaron Walker Scholarship Award. And I'd go with the high school and I would give a speech at the end of the year saying what that school had meant to me. It was for eighth graders. It was a junior high school. Oh, wow. And we tracked those students. I said, it's not for the person that was you know, scoring the highest academically. This is for the person that tries the most. The teachers voted on it. We followed those students for years. 
And because they had a little bit of hope, they went on and excelled. They became nurses. They became officers in the military. And these were kids from underprivileged families that couldn't see. It changed the whole environment, the whole family tree for those individuals that we did that for. And it was a small amount. It was just to get them started in college. Here's some money. You can get started. It gave them hope. And I'm saying that people can do it on any level. That was a small, it was a thousand dollars. It wasn't even that big a deal. Wow. Right. But it helped them get started. That's like a semester worth of books when I, when I went to school. I know, but you see, it gave them that right. hope. It's like before there wasn't even a chance. Now there's a glimmer of hope. Year after year after year, we followed those kids and they went on to excel. They, their academics picked up, their energy picked up, their hope picked up because they had an opportunity. It was just a little something to kind of get them started. You can do that in any arena you're in. It doesn't have to be a $10,000 grant or a million-dollar donation. It can be right where you're at starting small. And if you'll do that on a small scale, when you do make a lot of money, you'll do it on a larger scale. Giving consideration to being significant is important. It gives you that meaning and purpose to your life. What happens if we don't focus on that? What happens if we just say, yeah, 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 that's great. I need to earn my money first or I need to focus on me. And I'm not speaking for myself. What if people think I, I don't really believe in that whole meaning and purpose thing. My purpose is to provide for my family, nothing else. What happens to those people? Yeah, I just don't think they last long term. I think because we were created to be in community. We weren't created to be islands. And when you're self-centered, self-focused, it's all about you. First of all, who would want to be around a guy like that, right, when it's all about you? I don't. I don't want to be around people when everything that they're doing is completely about themselves. If you want to gain friends, read Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends right. and Influence People. People love to talk about themselves. Invite them to get in their lives. See how you can help them, empower them, encourage them. It's the reciprocity thing, right? I do for you. I do for you. I do for you. You can't help but want to do for me, right? It's just all about being cordial to the other people. It's about reaching out, taking them to the place that they want to go. Jordan, I've had people that's worked for me in my stores that went in competition with me. And I'm not bragging on myself, but I went and helped them open their store. I want people to better themselves. People think that the pie is only so big. That's what's so funny. They think, oh, no, I'm going to keep my two slices. And if I give you a quarter of the slice, I'll have less. That's not true. We had a construction company and we had 10 people in the community that were great builders. So we formed an alliance. We came together as a group and we used our strength for buying power from the vendors that were in the community. We did $115 million the last year I was in construction with the other 10 builders. Do you know what kind of buying power that was? We were competitors. We competed against each other for jobs, but we came together every fourth Thursday of every month and we helped each other. We would give documents. We would give suppliers. We would give vendors. We would help each other. Well, as a result of that, all of our businesses grew. Well, you got the power of 10 minds thinking alike because we do the same thing. So instead of fighting, we formed an alliance. We helped each other. We even had parade of homes where every builder would have a parade of home. We would open it up. It was charitable. $10 for a ticket, and may we raise thousands and tens of thousands of dollars for charity collective with people that were competitors. When I went in the pawn shop business years ago, I was in that 27 years. When I went in that business, it's a Jewish-owned business. 
back in the 70s, 80s, there were no Christians in that business. I was the only Christian in that business. In, in which business? The Island Pawn Shops. Oh, really? That, I, that's funny. That makes sense. That, that's so funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's what I owned. And Cash America was the company that bought me out. They're in Fort Worth, Texas. They have over a thousand stores now. They're in three different countries. So these people ostracized me when I went out on my own. They said, oh, you're a Christian. You're going to run this business. And I said, man, I'm going to befriend you. So I went, I met them, talked to them. I said, I'm not against you. I'm for you. I want to help you. Well, fast forward in three years after that point, they made me president of the Tennessee Palm Brokers Association. I don't, I'm not surprised. For one thing, Jews aren't used to people trying to befriend them. So there's, right, there's that. Right. And electing you president was brilliant because everybody who that president deals with, except for the people in the organization who elected you, is probably not Jewish and always has an issue with that. So putting <laughs> the one Christian guy at the front of the ship is a brilliant idea. That's funny. You know what was funny over there? Over the next five years, I bought them out. I'd go around and I'd buy their stores. That's great. And so I'm just saying we look at it like it's all about us. But when you take a different approach, and I'm all about looking at it from the other perspective, you can form alliances with people that you think you're competing with. And now you're spending a lot of money. And you're getting discounts. And when you get discounts, you get more customers, et cetera, et cetera. You make more money. So I'm just saying there's more than one way to do things. Absolutely. That, that comes out of trying to be significant. See, when we're successful and it's all to ourselves and we're selfish, who wants to help that person? Who wants to come along and form an alliance with those guys? And I'm just saying take your blinders off and realize that there's other ways to do business than holding your cards close to your chest and not revealing, hey, share, show, help. And as a result of that, more people want to be around you. And because more people want to be around you, you have more widgets to sell. You have more service to offer. And it grows and it grows and it grows. That formed that mindset of giving, which led you to coaching, I assume. Well, actually, I wasn't going to coach. Just to be totally candid and honest with you, I was like, done. I'm 50 and I'm done. And these guys, Dan Miller and Dave Ramsey, and those guys said, no, man, you can't. You're too young to quit. You got to do something. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? And they said, instruct, coach, help, consult teach the guys the way you've been living all these years and it'll make a difference in their life. And it has, I mean, I've taken clients now that, you know, a year and a half ago, they were doing $2 million in gross revenue. And this year, because they've implemented this principle, uh, he did four and a half million dollars in an 18 month period. Wow. So it's a 10 year old business. And in 18 months, he doubled his revenue by implementing these processes. I'm teaching him how to build relationships. That's the number one success tool to any business you have. I don't care what widget. I don't care what service industry you're in. If you don't know how to build relationships effectively, your business will not be near as successful as it could be. And every day, I try to build relationships intentionally. That is the core of the art of charm, essentially that relationships are the strongest lever that you can have and the best skill set that you can have in any in anything, period. Uh, business is, of course, one of those, and it's, it's also the area where most people neglect that. People think, well, of course, friends and, and with the opposite sex and things like that, but very few people, at least in years past, have applied that to business. And in fact, we often get email from guys of your generation and mine, but more so yours, that say, you know what, this is, it's fun that you're teaching this, but it's a millennial concept. People of my age, you know, business and networking should be fundamentally devoid of the friendly friendship vibe. It's the only way to keep respect is to keep people at arm's length. And it sounds like you disagree with that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
Listen, I've talked a lot about my dad. My dad never made any money, but let me tell you what he taught me about relationships. My dad died in 06. I stood at the casket and greeted the people coming to pay their condolences. The funeral home opened at 2.30. For six and a half hours, the line was to the parking lot. It was an hour and a half wait to get to see the family when my dad passed away. Every person that came through there from 10 years old to 75 years old said, let me tell you the impact your dad had on my life. Let me tell you what your dad said to me. Let me tell you how your dad helped me. Let me tell you how your dad was there when I needed a friend to lean on. Do you know that not one person in six and a half hours mentioned my dad's house, his boat, his car, his money? My dad taught me more about relationships than he could have ever taught me about anything else by the way he lived his life. Well, I have adopted that throughout the process of my entire business career, and it is absolutely, without question, the number one reason that I've had what little success I have is because I have intentionally built those relationships in every business I've ever done, and it's paid huge dividends. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data. And a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So how do you start someone off when you're coaching them or, or when you're just talking with them casually about this? What would you advise somebody who says, yeah, you know, I've been focused on grinding it out, coding the app, or you know, building the website, or stocking the shelves, or whatever business they're in, you're right, I should focus on this relationship stuff. Where do I begin? Let me tell you what I did to the little guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He called me and hired me as his coach, heard me on a podcast interview, and I went out and uh, evaluated his business, and he walked me through the process, what he was doing, and I said, well, the first thing we're gonna do is get you out of the office. You're gonna quit quoting these jobs, and we're gonna get you on the sales floor. He said, this is what I've been doing for 10 years. And I said, you got to trust me in this. He went to his competitor. He hired his estimator. We're paying him $80,000 a year to do the estimating. And I said, here's what I want you to do. You trust me? He goes, I think so. I said, here's what I want you to do. Get your past customer list out. 
write a list of potential clients. And I want you to start scheduling lunch. And I want you to do that three times a week. And I want you to go to those people, thank them for their past business, buy their lunch, and I want you to ask them all these questions about their family and their business. And here's what I don't want you to do. Don't ask them for business. He started laughing. He goes, you're crazy. I said, okay, you trust me? He said, I'm going to try it. So he started trying it. Month after month, he would call me after those lunches. He'd say, they invited me to bid on a project. He called me one day and he said, we've got to stop this. He said, I can't do all the work. Right, I'm running out of the, of time. Right capacity, bandwidth, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. He, he just couldn't do it. He said, I can't do all the work. And it's because he was building a relationship. He was intentionally caring about the person rather than making the sale. I went to buy a car recently and I walked up and I said, we want a blue car and this is the color leather. This is the kind of car. And he said, well, I don't have a blue one, but I've got a red one. And he said, come over here. Let me show it to you. I said, I, I don't want a red one. I, I want a blue one. And I want this color leather interior. This is what I want. He said, the red one's on sale. And I said, I don't want a red one. I want a blue one. And we went through this exercise for five minutes, and finally I left. Jordan, if he'd have went inside, found a blue car for me like I was one, I wrote him a check, and we left with the car. See, he was so interested in making the sale rather than filling my need, he lost the sale. Uh, he never even called me for a week or 10 days and then wanted to know if I'd found a car. And I started laughing. I said, we don't listen. See, we're too busy trying to make the sale rather than fill in their need. And you can only fill the need if you're willing to invest in the relationship. The sales will come. People will stand in line to pay you money if you will help them solve their problems and provide for them what they're asking for. And we just don't have it right. And we will get it right if we'll invest in these relationships. Of course, I agree with you 100% on this philosophy. If we're sitting here and we're going, okay, what's the next thing that I do? I start scheduling lunches or I start looking for ways to help others. Of course, we focus a lot on that. But what happens when we run into walls? What happens when people say, well, why do you want to do that? Or what if we feel like we can't do it or we don't know enough people to do that and make it effective? Well, then I suggest you get busy and uh, meet more people. I mean, it's just you're just going to have to get out to where the people are at. You're going to have to get on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Whatever you do, and you're going to have to build some relationships to work up to that. And that's the reason I've always gone to these events. That's the reason I'm strong on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. We really pour the energy and effort into reaching out. See, if you're waiting on people to come to you, you're sorely mistaken. See, relationships are about what you bring, not what you get. And so if your mindset is, I'm going to go to this guy to suck him out of all he's worth, they're going to pick up on that pretty quick. But if you go and you say, hey, I'm here. This is the industry I'm in. This is what I do. You just help me understand what you need, and I'll fill that void. If you go to it with a giving, you know, Gary Vanderchuk wrote a book about it. Right. Jab, 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 right hook, right? And it's a boxing analogy. Give, give, give. Now you have an opportunity to ask, right? Mm-hmm. If you go right out of the gate and you're just asking, it's like, hold on a minute. I mean, let's calm down. And all I'm saying, if you take the other approach at the beginning of serving them and meeting their needs, you will have more customers than you can take care of. Excellent. And what do you do these days to maintain your relationships? Each and every day, it's probably 25% of what I do. I mean, I'll sit each and every day. I'll tweet out, text, email, call. Here's one that I do all the time, and this is hopefully a helpful tip. Jordan, when somebody calls you and they say, hey, Jordan, this is Aaron, the first thing that comes to your mind is, 
he's fixing to ask me a question. <laughs> yeah, sure. He wants something. Mm-hmm. But when I say, Jordan, how's Miss Harbinger doing? How are the children going on vacation? Hadn't seen you in a while. How you been? I'm good. Business good. That podcast thing you're doing good. Yes, yeah, good. Okay, man. Had you on my mind. I was just thinking about you. Have a good one. I'll check you later. And don't ask the question. When you hang up, it makes an indelible impression on Jordan's mind because he thinks Aaron was interested in me, right? The other way around, oh, God, it's Aaron again. He's always wanting something, right? Here he is again. Those people get thrown in the pool of the norm, right? And when you do it intentionally, and I'll do that every day, and I've done that my whole career, just call, go through your Rolodex, go through your phone, go through whatever you've got and call two or three guys and just say, had you on my mind, man, I hadn't seen you in a while. You will be amazed at what that will open up for you. Those are little things. What about an encouragement? What about an email that just says, hey, Jordan, had you on my mind, man. Heard your show. It was awesome. Uh, just thought I'd reach out, touch you. And you're like, wow. I mean, he didn't want anything, right? He's giving. He's giving. He's an encourager. Well, some people are not going to bite this. You know, they're not, they're going to say it doesn't work. Well, I got 40 years and a lot of successful businesses that say it works pretty effectively. So it's not like I'm training you to do something that I don't have experience in doing. Right. I've had hundreds of people work for me. I've had multiple businesses. We've always implemented it. We started this coaching, you know, a couple of years ago. And quite honestly, is we're pretty busy as a result of it because we reach out to people and we implement all the things that I'm telling you that to do for your business. And it just works. Excellent. And now you give a lot of, of check-ins. You do a lot of recommendations for people on things like LinkedIn and social media and things like that. And how do you make the ask when you do feel like, oh, you know who knows a lot about that? Jordan knows a lot about that. Is there a way that you sort of structure that or do you just say, hey, whatever, I'm just gonna call and ask for what I what I need because I feel like I I can do that. Well, we don't keep a tab. You know, we don't of go, course. okay, of here's course. three gives. I've given Jordan, it's my turn. We don't do that. All I'm saying is, is if you keep your mind in a posture of serving and helping, people don't mind you asking. Right. There's a lot of podcasts I've been on and I've just said, hey, I've reached out to them and said, you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to ask. And if they say no, then okay. You know, they say no, but I'm at least going to ask. And it's the same way people that you do things for, you don't want to abuse it. You want to be that guy that, you know, hey, let me connect you. You're Jordan, I love to connect people. So it's like, hey, Billy, you and Johnny, let, let me hook you guys up because you each have something the other one needs. If you'll constantly stay like that and continue to try to help, I'm just telling you, man, people will want then to help you. It's like, hey, I got this guy that, you know, or I've got this person that you need to meet. It's just so much more enjoyable to do business this way rather than keeping your cards close to your chest, not revealing anything, not showing anything. You lay down at night and you're excited and you think, man, I've helped these guys connect today. They've hit a home run. This guy didn't know this guy. Connect people. Reach out. Give them that support. Give them the encouragement. Lift them up. And you'll look up and you'll have people everywhere. It's going, hey, Jordan, this means you do some business. The guy you were talking about earlier, I can't even fathom that kind of mindset, you know, as far as no relationships. Life in general is about relationships. Everything is about relationships. I wrote a blog today about it. I said, hey, why don't we do something nice? Why don't we catch somebody's meal and them not know it? Let's give them a smile. You know, you'll get one back. Let's give a word of encouragement. You could change somebody's day. It's like there's more value to living 
when you do those things, then there is just getting more money. Agreed. I actually do that with cops. Uh, if I see cops walk in, because I got to eat a, a decent amount around here, especially for lunch, and I see them walk in, and uh, my dad does this too, and I'll secretly pay the bill without them knowing, because that's a job that, I would wager that on most days, you kind of think, why did I sign up for this? If you're doing a job like that, you're mm -hmm. constantly being forced to give a lot of yourself to other people who are very unappreciative, probably most of the time. And it feels great, and I think you stumbled upon something. A lot of people go, well, law of reciprocity, yeah, maybe that works, or you know, people feel like they have to help you. You, you kind of stumbled <laughs> upon this. It's actually just fun. It makes you feel good. It is. I do it all. I did it today. I went to Panera Bread today, and on my way out, the guy was paying at the restaurant. I walked up, and I said, hey, man, I got you. And he looked at me. He goes, what? And I said, I got you. And he goes, why? And I said, I want to bless you. And he looked at me like it started the most fabulous conversation. And he goes, man, this is awesome. He goes, I'm going to pay it forward. See, now I've created something inside of him. He's going to go and help bless somebody else. I was in Starbucks the other day, did the same thing. And as I was leaving, I heard the guy say, I got the three people behind me. And see, all I'm saying is, is when we do that in business, in life, we do it with our grandchildren. It's fun. We'll go into, you know, the Waffle House and we'll get in a little huddle and I'll say, whose meal do we want to buy? We do it all the time. And they'll say, let's get, they call me Big A. So Big A, let's get that table and let's get this little guy over here. He's by himself. You know, we don't tell them. We don't want them to know it's us. We do it secret, right? Yeah, it's not about them thanking you and feeling weird about it. No, no, it's about us being generous. Right. And we'll get in the car and they'll say, you think he knew? Or I, I don't know if he knew or not, but you know what? He's going to be blessed as a result of it. And then it's teaching my grandchildren to be generous. The day after uh, Thanksgiving this year, my wife and my mom and I went shopping. I took all the grandkids and we went to the nursing home. For, I have four grandkids and we gave out chocolate to all the people. Then we went to Vanderbilt Children's Hospital and we had a dozen gifts to give the children. And so we get back home. We've done things for people all day long. We get back home. My seven-year-old granddaughter hugs me. She said, Big A, this has been the most meaningful, happiest day of my life. Uh -huh. And I'm like, we didn't do one thing for her. Right. It was all about she was so excited. The senior adults were happy. The children were happy in the hospital. And it gave her meaning. It gave her purpose. She was excited. Well, it's the same way we are as adults. If you've not done this, if you've never experienced this, I want to challenge you to do it on a small scale. Go to Starbucks, McDonald's. I don't care what you do. Pick up somebody and just feel the feeling. Right. And then do it on other scales and it will change your focus. Continue to make money, continue to strive to be successful. That's awesome. But also just a piece of your life, try to be significant. Excellent. I, I love that. And I think it that shows that when you teach this to young kids, when they react in that way, the idea of getting more for yourself seems like something that's programmed, whereas generosity seems like it's a little bit more intuitive. And we just kind of get it backwards as we grow older. Exactly. And it's fun to teach your children that. Right. Those grandkids are looking at you. They're mimicking what you're doing. And if you're teaching selfishness and success at all cost and don't reach out and help, that's the kind of kid you're going to breed. But if you're teaching them thoughtfulness, empowerment, encouraging, that's the kind of kid you're going to get. Now, last but not least, you do something that I do, which I I just kind of got into recently, which is sending handwritten notes and thank you cards for personal correspondence. What got you started doing that? Was that something you did before the digital revolution or was it something that you started because of the digital revolution? 
We've done that from day one because I can tell you probably with a list of the people that have done that to me. I can tell you the people that have done that. Over the years, I can't remember them all, but for the majority, I can. You send an email to somebody, that happens 125 times a day, right? You get emails. But to take the time to sit down five minutes and write a handwritten card, I'm telling you, the value of that is immeasurable. And I've got a stack of them sitting right here beside of my feet. I've got hundreds of them in a box. And when somebody has done something that you want to acknowledge and you write them a handwritten card or a note or congratulations or a thank you, I'm telling you, man, it is stored in their mind forever. Huge, huge benefit, handwritten cards. Thanks so much. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to make sure you communicate to the audience? You know, not really. I think we've covered kind of the gamut on success and significance. Uh, it's been a really uh, enjoyable experience, Jordan, to be on your show. I hope someone has gained something from it. I coach guys each and every day. We have Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind Groups. We've created a little landing page for your audience only, and it's called viewfromthetop.com forward slash AOC. Right. And what I've done in that. I'm not trying to sell you something. I want no, to give okay. you something. One of them is a personal assessment that we do on every client. Another one is called, what do I want? Most people don't know what they want in life. And these are documents that I've written. There's about 30 questions that help get you focused. And the third document is called steps to a productive day. Once you understand who you are and what you want, the steps to a productive day will walk you through a process that could be a catalyst in taking you to the next level. So I've made those for your audience and feel free to come to the site. We have what's called the community and you can go to my site, viewfromthetop.com and click on the community for $30 a month. You can join this community. There are so many benefits to participating in our community that I would just like to share that opportunity with you. We do one-on-one coaching. I'd love to hear from you. So that's my sales pitch in 30 seconds Great. to tell you a little bit about me. But uh, fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. So go out there and live a life on purpose. Excellent. Thank you. And of course, we'll have that linked in the show notes as well at theartofcharm.com and the podcast notes. We'll have that uh, that assessment and your website and everything linked in there. Thank you very much for for coming on today. It's been really enjoyable. Love the story and the values are timeless. Thanks, Jordan. Great stuff from Aaron. I love the, of course, love the idea of building relationships intentionally. And I do find that they're the key lever to successful business and successful life in general. It's just so lonely without a bunch of people around you that you love and care for. Whether or not those people love you back, it doesn't matter right away, hey? Show feedback and guest suggestions. The show is a fanarchy. It's run by you. We rely on you to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let me know. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. And if you enjoyed this, don't forget to thank Aaron on Twitter. We'll have that linked in the show notes as well as, uh, of course, the other resources we mentioned on the show. I'm also on Twitter. I post a lot on there. I interact a lot on there and engage there. I'm at theartofcharm on Twitter. And our boot camp details at theartofcharm.com slash boot camp. Now remember, 
or sold out six months in advance. So if you're thinking about it just a little, get in touch ASAP, get some info from us and plan ahead. And also on the website is our blog with a lot of articles and bonus episodes that we don't release in the iTunes feed, as well as the ability to engage with the team here. So subscribe in iTunes, write a review, grab our app, however you wanna continue listening to the show, but it's either way, it's important that you do. And thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. Go ahead and tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. Now have a great week and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 